0: Our morning passage, uh, we're going to be looking at this New Year's Eve, is going to be at Isaiah 55, 1 through 5. So you can turn in your Bibles to that, or you can look at it in your bulletin as well. It's on page 6. Hear the word of the Lord, it is life for us. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk, without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me, hear That your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant. My steadfast sure love for David. Behold I made him a witness to the peoples. A leader and a commander for the peoples. Behold you shall call a nation that you do not know. And a nation that did not know you shall run to you. Because of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel. For he has glorified you. Let's pray. Lord God, as we come to your word now, we need your Holy Spirit to open it up. Because if we try to uh, do this in our own power, we are going to become restless and distracted and our minds are going to wander. But you have something good for us here. And so, Lord, feed us this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I read an article a few weeks ago, and it's just kind of been stuck in my brain. Um, The article is all about this idea of planned obsolescence. If you've kind of hung out with me over the last couple of weeks, you've probably heard me use that phrase, planned obsolescence, is an industry strategy that makes products obsolete quickly so that you want to and have to buy the newest version of that product. Earlier this year, Apple was accused again of doing this and was sued for uh, planned obsolescence. Perhaps you've even experienced this. Maybe you've already experienced this this Christmas. You tore open your presents. Maybe you kids have experienced this. You have you found that, that gift that you really wanted. It's yours. It had your name on it. You're so excited. And now, all of a sudden, that gift can't be found because you've already moved on to something else. Certainly, if you've got technology this year, by next year, the new version will come out. Battery lives do not last as long as they should because the newer and the better version is coming out. The camera on your phone isn't as good because the new version is going to be better one year from now. Planned obsolescence has infiltrated every industry. Products are designed to fail right before the new product comes out. And at the core of planned obsolescence is to make the consumer want to buy more stuff more frequently. Because we want the newest thing. Because the old thing isn't as good. In the article, the author talked about how this planned obsolescence of the things we consume plays into our need to always have the newer thing. And this is linked to our idea of progression. New means better. This is what the author says. One result of planned obsolescence is the focus on the new and the almost implicit rejection of the old. The new phone is better than the old phone. This year's car model is better than last year's. The new television is thinner and bigger and cheaper and is therefore better. At all costs has created a perfect storm in which we live. Everything is getting better. Therefore, I must be getting better. And then he says, cue upcoming new year's resolutions. He then goes on to talk about how this infiltrated, this planned obsolescence, this idea that new is better has has infiltrated every part of our life, from our health to our spiritual life. And although there is something good about progress in both of these areas, there's also a trap that we fall into, especially when it comes to our spiritual health. Because we start to believe that our spiritual health is tied to reading more books, digesting more knowledge, and then we can get better, and we can be perfect. There is nothing wrong with wanting to learn more about our disciplines and our walk with the Lord. In fact, I've said it from this pulpit many times, grace is not opposed to effort. But we are striving in our walks with God to know him better and to better ourselves and to live obediently unto him. And that's a good thing. But the question that I want to ask you this morning is why? Are we wanting progress in our faith so that we can move beyond the old gospel and we can start to make God obsolete? Or... In our progress, do we actually see that the old, old story of the gospel is the only thing that matters and that we must become obsolete and our desire to be God must become obsolete? Tim Keller says it this way. We never get beyond the gospel in our Christian life to something more advanced. The gospel is not the first step in a stairway of truths. Rather, it's the hub of a wheel of truth. The gospel is not just the ABCs of Christianity. The gospel is the A to Z of Christianity. The gospel is not just the minimum requirement, required doctrine necessary to enter the kingdom. It's the way... The only way we make all progress in the kingdom. So, my question to you. In this coming year, do you want to make progress in your walk with God and in your faith in Jesus and in your reliance on the Holy Spirit? And if the answer is yes, then we have to go back to the old, old story of the gospel. Simple and profound, and we have to preach it to ourselves every day. That is what Isaiah 55 gives us this morning the old gospel for a new year. What we're gonna see in this passage is who the gospel is for. We're gonna see what the gospel does, and we're gonna see how we can receive this gospel every day. First, though, I wanna give you a definition of the gospel. Maybe some of you have been Christians many, many years. Maybe some of you are just new Christians. Maybe you've heard different definitions of the gospel. I just want to read to you a definition of the gospel. And I want you just to sit in it. Rest in it. Let it kind of marinate you. The gospel starts off with the bad news. The bad news is that you are a sinner, and you cannot save yourself. You have disobeyed God, which has led to a separation with him, which has resulted in death and brokenness and all the ruin that you see around you. The gospel is also good news, that you are loved by God, and he sent his only son Jesus to die and to be raised from the dead, And to reign over everything. So that when you put your faith, your trust in him, then you are saved. The salvation that God gives you is grace. You can't earn it and you don't deserve it. It is only by grace that you can have it. Grace is free. It is a free gift from God. Grace is at the core of the gospel. And God's grace is what invites you to come. That's the first thing we see in this passage this morning. Who is this gospel for? We have a God who invites two kinds of people to this gospel. First, the thirsty and the broke. This would have meant something to the original hearers, the original Jews, the Israelites who have heard this the first time. Because many of them were in exile. The words were written to a group of Israelites who were exiled by God to the Assyrians. The Assyrians were a cruel people and they were made the Israelites poor by enslaving them, trapping them, and oppressing them. This all happened because the Israelites were villains. They had disobeyed God and they were victims of others' cruelty. And this led them to be poor and weary. The original hearer of this would have been thirsty, physically and spiritually, and broke, spiritually and physically. Perhaps that's you. I've talked to many of you about 2023, and it was a tough year. Maybe you had big plans for 2023. And they all fell apart. This year has been hard with its letdowns and its frustrations and its grief. And you are spiritually thirsty, physically thirsty, spiritually bankrupt, broke. And you are not sure how to go on. John Piper says this about this passage. You are just the candidate God is looking for. You are the one that God invites to the gospel. You are the one with no resources, no bargaining position, no, no track record, no power, no prestige, no pull. And God says to you, come, buy, eat. The second person that God invites is the self-sufficient but dissatisfied. The person who has money and a good job, look at it in verse 2. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? This person is pretty self-sufficient. They have a good money, they have a good job, but they are spending their time and their resources on things that are not bread, Proverbs twenty seventeen says this, the bread of deceit, in another word is no bread, is sweet to man but leaves a gravel taste in his mouth. Perhaps that's you. And in fact, I would say maybe it's many of us this morning. You have resources. You have money. You have time. You have a good job. You've got a healthy bank account but you're spending all of that on things that make you empty. You spend your time planning for the next next trip or the next purchase only to be left empty and dissatisfied. You have all the new stuff and yet you still feel empty and void. My friends, God is inviting you to this gospel. The thirsty and the broke. The self-sufficient and dissatisfied. I would say both types are represented in this room. And in fact, maybe even throughout this year, you represent both of these types, depending on the circumstance. There are days when you feel completely dehydrated by life. The weariness of our sins and the brokenness of others' sin, this life can bankrupt your spirits in a matter of two texts and one email. All of a sudden, life has fallen apart, and you feel thirsty and broke. Other days, you are absolutely killing it. You have the dream job that you love. You're in the relationship that you always wanted, and the bank account just seems so healthy and stable. You are progressing, thinking you are getting better, but there's still this deep dissatisfaction, longing in your heart. You are spending your time and money on things that leave you empty and void. God is inviting you to come and buy without money and without price. Things that bring real life. That is what the gospel does. It gives you life. That's my second point that we see here. The first is what, who the gospel is for. The second is what the gospel does. Let's look at the liquids in this passage water. Have you ever been really thirsty? I'm 47 years old. When I was 40 years old, I set a goal for myself, that I was going to run a Tough Mudder. Do you know what a Tough Mudder is? It's 13 miles of obstacles. And I did this, sort of. I mean, I walked a lot of it. But (laughs) I was in Florida, and it was incredibly hot. And I don't think I've ever been so thirsty. And there were all these water stations set out along the way. But every single one of these water stations, the cups were like Dixie-sized cups. Like the little cups. Like it wasn't enough water. It was so frustrating. When you are really thirsty, water tastes so good. And it refreshes you. That is what God says here. When he says, come and drink. Of this water, he's talking about refreshment for your soul, for your heart, for your life, because you are tired and you are weary, and he knows this because life seems to always and it is bitter and it can be so overwhelming at times. A life where you seem to always be failing in this relationship or that relationship, you're failing at work. He says, then come to him and be refreshed. In John 4, there's this beautiful picture of Jesus sitting by a well. And a woman comes to him and he knows this woman. This woman is incredibly broken. She's had a very hard life with many different men. And as he is talking to her, he says to her, I will give you water that will bring you life, refreshment. And this woman believes in Jesus and it changes everything for her. And she is revived and she is refreshed and she runs back to her village and tells everyone about what Jesus has done for her. My friends, God is inviting you. He's inviting you this year to come to him and get that real refreshment that you really long for. The second liquid, wine. Wine. Wine makes the heart glad, Psalm 104 tells us. Paul in the New Testament tells Timothy to take a little bit of wine for your stomach's sake because it also alleviates pain. But wine overall in the scriptures is a symbol of joy. The good news that God brings to us is joy. Not a silly happiness. Not this kind of Pollyanna Christianity. When people ask you how you're doing, you're just just full of grins and everything's going so great all the time. That's not the kind of joy that God brings. The kind of joy that God brings is the joy that really faces hard things. It's a joy that we can say that God is good even when everything is falling apart. And we actually mean it. Like Paul In Philippians 4, where he is sitting in a stinky, nasty jail, and he writes, I rejoice in all situations. This is the life-giving wine that God gives us. It is true joy. In a few moments, we're going to come to the table. And at the table, every Sunday, I pick up that big cup in the middle, and I hold it up, and I say, this cup, this is what Jesus says, The new covenant in my blood that's been poured out for the forgiveness of sins. The wine we buy without money or price is the wine of forgiveness through Jesus Christ that brings true life giving joy. When you drink that today, be joyful. Your sins are forgiven. The third liquid, milk. Milk in the Bible is also a symbol of nourishment. When a child is born, it is not a good idea to put them on a strict diet of Coca-Cola and Swedish fish. I tried, didn't turn out well. No, I didn't. I didn't do that. They need nourishment. And nothing is more nourishing than, for a child than milk. Back in the 80s, if you're a product of the 80s, you remember the big ad campaign that talked about drink milk because milk is good for our health, and they said that milk made our bones strong, which I don't know if that's true or not, but I'm guessing it would be. The milk that God is offering here, the nourishment that he is offering you here is a true strength, to have our hearts and our souls fed with good news, that we are not the sum of our mistakes, that God's grace is enough, and that we have a real hope in Christ. This milk that he nourishes us with makes us strong for the journey ahead. The milk that God gives us is his word and his presence. Look with me at the end of verse two. He says, listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. If you notice in this passage, there's a lot of commandments, a lot of imperatives. Come, eat, live, drink, buy. Here, the imperative is Listen. Listen diligently and you will be satisfied. He uses an interesting phrase here where he says, you will eat good food and rich food. Good food means quantity. In the Hebrew, that word good would have meant like a lot, a lot of, a lot of food. And then rich is quality. Listening to God in his word what he tells us to do, how he tells us to live, even though it might seem very countercultural at times, it might cut across the grain of our own heart at times. When we listen to God, when we obey Him, we will have a instant Before, how can I say that? Well, I can't say that. Jesus says that. Jesus says, "I came to bring life and life abundant." Jesus says, in this life abundant, it does not mean that you are going to live an easy life. You're not going to live your best life now. The quality and quantity of life, though, it looks like this, that when pain comes, you have hope. When grief comes, you can have joy. And when evil things happen, God is always turning them to good. And we experience this, not just by inclining our ear to God, but it says here, come to me. This is the very core of the gospel. It is the core of this passage. Come to God and live. Not by reading a bunch of books about God, not by listening to the next podcast about God, Not by getting the next Bible app and reading plan about God. It's not knowing about him. It's knowing him. Coming to him. And finding your life in him. But how can we come to God to buy and drink and be satisfied? There's only one way. How do you get this gospel? Through Jesus Christ. Jesus says in John 14, 6, No one comes to the Father except through me. You cannot get to God. You cannot come to him and eat and drink and be satisfied without first coming to Jesus Christ. Look at the end of this passage with me. It says here in verse 3, And I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I make him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you did not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you, because the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. My friends, he is not talking about you and me. He is talking about Jesus, the Messiah. For Jesus is the witness. He is the leader. He is the commander who comes to the nations. We know this from Matthew 4. Matthew 4, when Jesus starts his ministry, Matthew, a great Isaiah, a different part of Isaiah, and he says, for the nations have seen a great light. Those nations that walk in darkness They have seen something miraculous. Jesus is the one who comes to all the nations, calling them from darkness to light. We see this throughout Jesus' ministry as he's going to all of these different people, as he's going to the unlikely and the unlovely, the Samaritans and the Jews, as people start coming towards him, moving towards him. He shows that he is the leader and the commander as he is casting out demons and healing the blind. We see this in the book of Revelation when Jesus returns and all of the nations flood to him. Jesus gathers the nations by revealing his glory. That very last line for he has glorified you. He has glorified Jesus. How has he done that? God glorified the son by killing him, by putting him on that tree. Jesus says, I'm going to be lifted high, and many are going to come and believe. And then he raised him from the dead. To sit at the right hand and to rule over everything, that is the glory that is being talked about here, the glory of Christ the King. And Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except through me. You have to believe. What does that mean? It means that if you are thirsty this morning, broke this morning, dissatisfied this morning, that means throughout this coming year, when you are thirsty, broke, and dissatisfied, it means that every morning what we preach to ourselves as Christians is Christ crucified For you, relying on Him every day and resting in what He has done. It's not chasing after a new gospel. There's going to be lots of those this new year. There's going to be another book that somebody's going to tell you to read. I might even tell you to read a book. There's not another podcast you're supposed to listen to. It's going back to the old, old story. Of Jesus Christ and how he lived and died and rose again for you and believe it again. And when we do that, then we are put on mission with Jesus. There's a missional part of this passage, there's a mission that's a part of the gospel. And the part of the gospel that is the mission is that Jesus is gathering his people by saving you. You were saved for your neighbor. I was saved to live on 136 East Church Street, Center Hall, for Jeff and Tina, for Jeremy and Allie, for Sandy and Larry. I was saved for them. You were saved for your neighbors, and you were put on mission with Jesus. The mission is the old, old story that brings a new life. So my friends... As we have just heard the gospel, who needs to hear this gospel in your life? Maybe it starts with you. Maybe you first need to hear these words again. That Jesus Christ came to save sinners. Maybe it's someone in your workplace or in your family. This is my challenge to you, and I'm going to keep challenging you this. I want you to write down three people's names. Three people that God has put in your life who are not yet Christians. And I want you to start praying for them. Bring them before the Lord every day. And ask God to give you the opportunity to tell them about the good news of what Jesus has done. My friend, this year, what mission are you going to be on? Will it be to make God obsolete in your life by trying harder, by being better, by getting more books, by listening to whatever you're listening to? Or will it be by coming to God daily in your thirst and your frustration? Will it be relying on Jesus daily by listening to his word? Listen to this. By breathing in his grace and exhaling obedience to him out of love. My friends, this coming year, you will have struggles, you will fail, you will fall, you will have pain, you will have sorrow, but you can also have refreshment and joy and strength for the journey when you come to the Father through the Son. That's why we go to this table every week because here is where we experience that passage where we come to the Father and eat and drink his grace. So let's do that now. Father God, we have just heard the good news. That you came to save sinners. That you came to bring us the real refreshment that we need. The real joy that we long for. And strength for the journey. And so now as we come to the table, feed our faith in you. So we come to this table, refresh us. Bring us that joy that only you can bring and give us the strength we need in Jesus. And it's in Christ's name, your name we pray, amen.